there, welcome. My name is Josiah Gilliam and I'm the My Brothers Keeper Coordinator uh, here in the office of the mayor, Bill Peduto, uh, for the city of Pittsburgh and Allegheny County. Uh, and I have a guest today with me, uh, Majestic Lane, Deputy Chief of Staff uh, to Mayor Bill Peduto uh, and Chief of uh, Equity Officer uh, for the city of Pittsburgh. Majestic, thank you for taking the time today. No, thank you, appreciate it. Um, you know, you're a real well-known person uh, in the city, but for those that don't know you, can you speak a little bit about uh, your own history, uh, how you come to the city and come to this work? Sure, sure. Um, so I'll give just a little feedback um, from Philadelphia originally. Um, the term West Philadelphia born and raised does actually apply to me. Hmm. Um, so came to University of Pittsburgh for, um, for college um, in the 90s and really fell in love with the city. Um, the city was a lot different then, um, but it still had a really unique character and really got involved in a lot of community efforts and um, a lot of organizing efforts at that time around issues that were happening. Hmm. Um, and from the organizing, went more into uh, working with youth and working with youth around entrepreneurship um, in the city and region and then eventually working kind of in a deeper way around truancy and violence production, violence reduction rather, mm. and some uh, broader engagement around hip hop and those kind of things. Mm. Um, so after having that experience, one of the big things that I really saw was what was important to me was to be able to mitigate the factors that young people were going through in their communities and going through in their families and families that were, were suffering from in the society. And while I was doing a lot of direct service, I found that a lot of the issues were a little more upstream, if you will, hmm. um, and the challenges were upstream. So hmm. at that point, um, after doing a lot of that work, I actually started to work for a state senator. Um, State Senator Jim Furlow, um, and really focused a lot on economic development, community development, um, sustainability, and education, things like that, and really got to see the relationship between grassroots organizing, which we did a lot of, but also legislation and also resource allocation, how resources get allocated to communities and things like that. Um, after that experience, uh, went back into the nonprofit world for a couple years, working around education, equity, um, and also around, you know, kind of communities. And um, mm -hmm. in 2016, um, the mayor the mayor called on me and asked me, would, you know, I'd like to come on and really be a part of the team and doing some things differently than were already happening and really trying to make the vision that he had for the city real. And I, I jumped to it. So, Thank you. So uh, I want to ask about, you mentioned Philly uh, and then coming to Pittsburgh. Those are two urban experiences within the Commonwealth. Uh, could you describe the differences and the similarities just between those two cities for some additional context? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, we're in the same city and uh, as a political uh, comment commentary uh, person once said that, you know, you have Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Alabama or Kentucky, depending on where you're talking to, hmm. in the middle, hmm. right? And, um, you know, that's not a shot at our, our uh, other uh, common residents of the Commonwealth, but just to really talk about the differences that are happening on either part of, of the state. Mm -hmm. um, Philadelphia, I think, being in the, on the Eastern Seaboard, uh, you know, just has a lot of things happening in relationship to the other cities um, that are up and down the seaboard, like Washington, New York, Baltimore, et cetera, um, where Pittsburgh is nestled a little differently um, mm -hmm. and really nestled as a, the Paris of Appalachia, if you will, mm -hmm. really like the jewel of this area. So while there are, are similarities as far as some of the things that are happening in neighborhoods now, I will say um, Philadelphia is undergoing some rapid changes and, and 
Pittsburgh maybe not as rapid, but some jarring changes in, in the city and the way things have happened. Um, and I just think it's part of how all cities are evolving, but both of our cities as being places with education, looking at technology, um, and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh also medicine are, are really big. So with those things, the cities are changing and there are pressures that are happening and opportunities. So I think the core of them have a lot of similarities, but also just because of location, they are a bit different. Hmm. So you mentioned you had uh, some experience in the nonprofit space here and in local government. A lot of nonprofits in the Pittsburgh region uh, and in the county. Uh, a lot of foundation activity as well, kind of a robust activity there. Um, given that background, how do you view the role of government uh, and then specifically the role of local government? Yeah, well, I think those are two, two interesting conversations that head kind of in different directions. Generally speaking, um, the federal government has been retrenching from from engagement in cities. There's been um, reduced investment in cities over the last 20 years. It's not any particular president. It just has been generally, there's been less aid coming to cities. So you find that there is a, a retrenchment from, from cities writ large by the federal government. Um, and at the same time, now local government has to be more engaged and more muscular and more robust to really solve 21st century challenges. Um, and those 21st century challenges are different than the ones we had 20 and 30 years ago. Um, but now cities have to be more nimble and also engage in more partnerships mm. um, and more collaborations because of what we find is that the institutions that got us here, we might have to develop new ones to get us there, mm. if you will. Mm. So you joined the team uh, 2016. Yes. Um, mayor Perduto, relatively new mayor, has been in, you know mm -hmm. uh, around for a little bit at that point. Um, he introduced this idea of neighborhood empowerment mm -hmm. and created a bureau, a structure within the mayor's office mm -hmm. um, to to work on that. Can you speak about uh, what that was, the mentality that went uh, behind founding it? Sure, sure. Um, you know, uh, Pittsburgh is a city of neighborhoods. Um, and Pittsburgh is a city of community and a city of different communities. And when the mayor came in, he made it his, his um, focus on really looking at what was going on in neighborhoods and making sure that all neighborhoods felt like they had a voice downtown, that all neighborhoods felt like that they had a chance to be dealt with equitably. Mm -hmm. So the Bureau of Neighborhood Empowerment was really thinking about how can we make sure that all residents of the city and all neighborhoods, regardless if development was going on or not, all have access to the city hmm. um, and that in a way of our history of community development corporations and community-based organizations really made a lot of sense in being able to open the doors, if you will, or roll out the red carpet, as, as the mayor would say. Hmm. Um, so that was the, the, really the thinking behind it and enabling folks to really feel like their issues could be engaged by City Hall, which was also part of what was really happening across the country. Um, cities were just deciding to engage deeper and the mayor as as a progressive and as someone really on the pulse of understanding what's happening nationally also engaged in that effort. So you have this Bureau of Neighborhood Empowerment and then recently within the past calendar year you have the formation of the Office of Equity. Um, can you talk about the shift or the progression in philosophy uh, that leads to the creation of, of that office specifically uh, or perhaps to begin with, around the language that we have to describe these efforts now? Yeah, um, I mean, one, I think it was just a challenge. Cities evolve, mm -hmm. right? Cities are living organisms, right? They're not, they're not static, mm -hmm. they're dynamic. And our city, um, from the time the mayor came into office till now, has seen a lot of changes, positives and some challenges, some areas for growth. 
And as we saw, like, you know, really focusing on the neighborhoods, but also when we start to see displacement, when you start to see uh, neighborhoods changing really fast, uh, when you start to see folks from new places um, all across the world coming into neighborhoods, what we started to see is that it, as much as it's about the neighborhoods, that it's really about people. And the shift around that was really having the conversation around what does it mean to have a truly equitable city. And if you start with people being equitable, then we advance to families having equity, then we advance to communities having equity, right? So it was really just to take a, a step down and go to a more fundamental base to really talk about what does what does it look like to focus on equity and focus on human capital, hmm. right? As well as we talk about brick and mortar and rebuilding communities, about building, rebuilding, and, and, and us, um, assisting people in being resilient and thinking about their own future so that the city can compete as a 21st century city. I wanna stay on this idea of human capital for a quick moment. Um, we speak with uh, community groups at a community events. Um, in the context of human capital, what do, what do we mean when we say equity? And what is the city trying to provide when it comes uh, yeah. to this notion? Well, it's, uh, it's identifying what places that we're primary, identifying what places we're secondary, and identifying what places we're tertiary in advancing those interests, right? Me meaning, again, strong people make up strong families, strong families make up strong communities, strong communities make up strong cities. When you have any of those that may not be working in concert, then you can have some challenges. Mm -hmm. So to the things that are relevant to trying to make sure that our city is full of strong people, strong families, strong communities, strong neighborhoods, strong institutions, what can we really do to advance that? So mm -hmm. identifying and talking about uh, Office of Equity was really our uh, step into the arena, if you will, to say that these are the challenges of the 21st century and we acknowledge that they're all interconnected, so we will work in an interconnected way to really engage, uh, to move us to that, to that kind of place where we can measure, are we advancing the interests of every citizen of our city? So the Office of Equity gets created uh, in 2019. Um, what was that like for you as someone who's, who's worked at different levels to see now the new formation of this office within within the team that, that you've been a part of for yeah. some time? Um, I think it was important just to really, one, acknowledge, again, the mayor's vision and the mayor's leadership around um, knowing that things have to change sometime and being, being able to pivot, being able to be creative, and being able to be nimble, really thinking about what is the best way for us to move forward to deal with the challenges of our city. How do we really create a one Pittsburgh, right? Like, right. how do we create a one, you know? So that was really, one important part and then for myself it's really saying okay you know how can i take my life's work and then apply it to a city that i've come to love and come to see as my home and you know when you get those kind of opportunities uh, they don't happen often but when you get them you kind of look at them um, you look at them strongly and you follow it diligently hmm, hmm. so within the office of equity uh, there are different buckets of activity, uh, different initiatives. Can you talk about the makeup of Pittsburgh's Office of Equity? Yeah, so uh, our Office of Equity is some e evolving from the Bureau of Neighborhood Empowerment really to kind of focus really clearly. I mean, one, we have the policy, our policy shop, um, really looking at what are the policies, and, you know, that's led by Assistant Chief Lindsey Powell. Um, really looking at economic opportunity, business inclusion, mm -hmm. youth and in youth um, uh our youth section, children, youth, and education, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, 
looking at NBK, My Brother's Keeper. Yeah. So really looking at a wide variety of different things. Um, our welcoming work, welcoming Pittsburgh work yeah. is all underneath there. So really acknowledging all the kind of things that contribute to making up a strong city. Yeah. And all the things that contribute to making sure the pieces of the puzzle or pieces of the brick that kind of really roll up to create a strong foundation. Um, so, I mean, you'll see everything from us putting $2 million in for child care, um, acknowledging that child care is a really important component of our cities, but also acknowledging that many child care centers um, do not have the infrastructure needed to be able to provide the highest quality of education to our young burgers, as, as the mayor would say. Yeah. So how do we provide some support to them in the form of loans and or grants to be able to build out their infrastructure, create stronger uh, institutions that then our young people will attend and then f filter into different educational institutions from there. So that's an example of where, while we may not, um, you know, be charged with that. We know that's an important part of the work that we have to do. Yeah, so uh, you speak to this idea of, so this is engagement in the early childhood space in this example, and you're talking about this idea of providing this infrastructure, this scaffolding for what often ends up being uh, family operations or even single mother mm -hmm. operations that have, say, a childcare uh, facility in their home, mm -hmm. and you're helping them walk through a process that puts them in line for more resources to continuously improve yes. uh, their operation in terms of delivery, but also the environment that these are happening in. Uh, is it, when you talk with people about the work uh, of the city, do people often, are they aware that it's, it can get to that micro level of partnership? No, no, and in, in, in some ways, it's good when you do work that people are not as aware of, but also it's important to, to lift it up and have the broader conversation to say, when we're making investments, we're making investments in acknowledging the interrelated nature of business development, which is happening around the child care facilities, yeah. and the importance of early child education for our communities, and the fact that if you have stronger institutions in communities, that provides another incentive and another amenity for people to want to move in and become part of communities. So right. again, we acknowledge that these things are all interrelated, interconnected, and try to work to be able to lift all those boats and create value at the same time. Is there is there a special... Um Pittsburgh element here. Um, are other cities, I think of maybe perhaps like larger metropolitan areas, uh, able to be as nimble, agile, uh, and responsive to individual needs uh, in other in other contexts in your experience? Well, you know, other cities, um, someone made a, an example or um, an allegory in another city one time to me is, you know, uh, speedboats and tankers. Hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of other cities are really like tankers. Yeah. Um, they're just really large and really, you know, it's hard to turn them around. Once you turn them around, it's headed in that direction, and you can see growth, you can see change, and it's going to happen, but it takes a while. Yeah. Where smaller cities may not be quite a speedboat, <laughs> right. but we might be a smaller boat that allows us to do it. And also, what's important is the history of collaboration in the city. The history of people really getting at a table and kind of identifying what are our common interests and how can we work together. And you often hear the mayor talk about that being the Pittsburgh way. Mm -hmm. And the Pittsburgh way has to be taken into the 21st century. So that collaboration now has to be part of our 21st century perspective. So let's talk about My Brother's Keeper uh, for a quick second. Um, here you have an example of this, I think. You have a, a national challenge that's coming from the Obama administration. Uh, you have a framework developed that encompasses six goal areas, uh, nice and broad, 
uh, just the entire life cycle mm -hmm. uh, of, a, of an individual. There's a race and gender lens, a focus on black men and boys, a strong initial focus, as the Obama administration put it. Uh, so there's this challenge that's, uh, that's given, uh, and then here locally, uh, the city and the county, Mayor Peduto and County Executive Rich Fitzgerald, accept the challenge. Uh, a demonstration of the Pittsburgh way in that in that case. Yes, I mean that's a you know the MBK work is a great example of that, and you can look at the the mayor and county executive accepting the challenge together, acknowledging that for many people the borders of what we understand as Pittsburgh and different parts of Allegheny County are invisible. Hmm. Um, we acknowledge them in our role, in our role as, as city employees, but they may not. And so it's important to acknowledge that and see that partnership that is really an important part of what the mayor and the county executive have been able to do. Mm -hmm. But also when you look at it and go a little further into it, the idea that the partnership started when thinking about nonprofit organizations who had strong examples of working in community also being supported by philanthropy, mm -hmm. um, who saw the importance of the MBK work. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the city and the county accepting the challenge, philanthropy and nonprofit organizations being involved, you then see kind of this Pittsburgh way and this collaboration, which I think is kind of unparalleled, frankly, in the in the country around how it developed. Mm -hmm. um, and then the importance that we that we saw in the mayor's office of if you're talking about the future of many of these communities, you can't talk about them without having a positive pathway for black men and boys, um, many of whom have often been um, at the end of many of the quality of life uh, conversations um, and length of life even conversations um, in our city. So, you know, really looking at that and being a little more, again, robust and a, and a little more uh, muscular and really thinking about all the things that we want to engage in, it was a natural thing to say that we see it as important enough to make it actually a part of the administration and in collaboration with our parks and recognizing that those are our open spaces, those are our places that are kind of like our engagement centers, if you will, really for how we engage in communities. Yeah, so just to, to synthesize, so you have um, this local political engagement, you have the mayor and the county executive, other elected officials saying this work is important, but them really being uh, the tips of the spear. You, you convene stakeholders, uh, leaders in different impact areas that have a demonstrated track record of serving uh, black men uh, and boys, uh, but also just strong community work. Uh, you incorporate youth voice, at the very beginning to help inform the process, to hear directly from them. You engage local philanthropy and you convene within those impact areas um, to see how work can move forward. And sometimes that's as simple as just assessing from a data perspective you know, where things are at. Uh, and this will get us back to the Office of Equity, but when you think about, about data and the importance of it, when it comes to the idea of the Office of Equity or a specific initiative like MBK, uh, how, does, how does that um, factor into your into your thinking? Well, I think, you know, it's best to be um, what I would call data informed. Um, I'm not necessarily looking to be data driven, mm -hmm. but it, you should never take a blind eye to data because it really can kind of give you a roadmap on what is happening, right? And mm -hmm. having that level of data and that data ranges everything from community engagement all the way to research, mm. right? So, you know, centering people is also centering their experience and centering their experience in this context can really be having conversations with community, having conversations with folks who have been impacted by things to be able to say, what has what your experience been and how does that start to jive 
with the data that we have to be able to have the one again that human centered approach while at the same time being rigorous in our ability to use our resources and our time to advance the, the interests of the citizens. You, you mentioned uh, this idea of being data inspired as opposed to data driven. Uh, why the distinction and what is the is there is there perhaps a, a note of caution about what data driven thinking can lead to? Yeah well I mean data driven can make you forget the human element. Mm -hmm. Right, so if I'm data influenced and data inspired, then it that gives me a broad theme upon which then I start to look at the things that are happening. Right, when I have a theme of this is what's happening to people or this is the trend, well then I can get into more of what's happening on a macro, on a micro level rather, with the trend. Mm -hmm. But if I'm data driven, I may not pay attention to the lived experience. Right. So it's really kind of meshing those two things, meshing this idea of what I would call the head and the heart. Hmm. Right? How do you mesh? Okay, here's what the head says, but here's what the heart knows, if you will. And how do you make use those to make the best decisions in the, on behalf of our residents? So you mentioned this idea through the uh, Bureau of Neighborhood Empowerment, now the Office of Equity, of being good partners with communities. We've given an example of how even to the individual level, local government, the mayor's office, um, city government can play a role. Uh, I tend to think visually this seems to me to be about you know, providing connection points for people, kind of providing puzzle pieces that let people plug in. Um, with My Brother's Keeper and this, this lens of black men and boys, um, how does that allow us to engage with organizations uh, at the community level that haven't, say for example, uh, been engaged with local philanthropy or maybe haven't participated in city activity before? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a chance for, for a, a bigger, broader table, mm -hmm. a table that includes more people, a table that includes the opportunity to engage in ways that people have not before. Mm -hmm. um, it also engages, it also in, entails our ability to lift up the work in the in the time and the experience of folks who may not be able to engage with others in promotion and things like that in the same way. Mm -hmm. So it really is the ability to have, a have, like I said, have that bigger table, have folks figure out what that table should look like as we advance the goal. And, and always keeping the goal, and that's where data does come in saying, are we advancing the life expectancy and the quality of life indicators of black men and boys, and by doing that, we will also impact the quality of life and life indicators of black families. Right. And by doing that, we will end, we will increase the quality of life indicators for the city of Pittsburgh, right? So this kind of work, even though it seems individual, is actually work that's being done f on behalf of the entire city. Hmm. So speaking of the the idea of work that's touching the entire city or that can, uh, within the Office of Equity, you've encouraged us, uh, you've applied structure with even within that office uh, in terms of interdisciplinary teams. Uh, why is that important and, and what's the thinking there? Well, just simply because things don't happen in, happen in stovepipes or in silos, right? And we know that the world doesn't happen like that, that when we leave your house, you're impacted, or your apartment, you're impacted by a variety of factors. You're impacted by how the streets look, you're impacted by how the weather is, you're impacted by this, that, or the third, noise, pollution, you know, just a lot of different things. Who's going to school, who's going to work, right? All these things impact you. So our lives don't function in silos, mm. so our government should not function in silos. Mm. Because then we will be able to miss the opportunities and miss the possibilities that if we work together. So really working together in an interdisciplinary way is really what's been shown as a, from a national model to really think about these things. But hmm. old habits are hard to break. Yeah. Um, but this is really all, again, part of the Office of Equity, really walking, really walking the walk 
to help others see why we talk the talk. Right. And so if we work into in an interdisciplinary way, mm -hmm. and then we partner with others in an interdisciplinary way, yes. then you've set this precedent, right? And you've lifted the floor mm. of, of how we interact with each other on behalf of our citizens. Something I think a lot about in the work that we do and having uh, joined the city myself is this idea of inertia and how change can take a long time. Uh, I think about that when you mentioned like the liners versus the speedboats. You know, how, how do you nudge an aircraft carrier? Uh, how do you influence it to move? Um, what I'm wondering is, uh, you know, people want to know what success looks like. And one of the first partnerships that got brought to bear through the Office of Equity has been this one with GARE. Uh, and this to me seems to be a way to nudge the aircraft carrier or whatever form of boat that we are. Can you speak a little bit about that partnership and what they help us do? Sure, sure. Um, and so GARE being the Government Alliance for Racial Equity, yeah. um, really being an organization that has, it started out of Seattle and their uh, race and social justice initiative, and really looking at what is the role of government in either mitigating the, the challenges around racial equity or advancing the cause of racial equity. Um, there are too many examples to name that local, state, and federal government have colluded to actually uh, retard racial equity and actually systemically uh, hold communities back, hmm. right? And the, there are too many to name, frankly. Yeah. Well documented, um, though. Well documented, yes, extremely well documented. Um, and so when we really look at that, we look at, I think it's easy to look at racial equity and really look at systemic disinvestment and systemic disengagement as, in, as individual actors. And as active actors of individuals to do something versus, no, the system's actually colluded and the system's actually conspired to work together. So when you say individual actors, what's an example of what you're saying? It's one thing just if you were to say, hey, Bull Connor did this to the folks who were trying to go to school mm -hmm. in Mississippi versus there was a system where African-Americans and Latinos and Asians were not working in, they were not allowed to be leadership. Mm. So it was reinforcing the status quo of that area and actually the police departments and the Justice Department, not Justice Department, the police departments and the sheriffs of those areas were actually actively working in that context. I see, I you see. Know, So when you think about it, you could think about Bull Connor, but Bull Connor's the tip of the iceberg. Okay, okay. You know, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But you identify the tip when you think about it. Mm -hmm. And so when you have examples like that, or an example of um, when you think about, you know, folks coming back from World War II and the GI Bill, right. and you know, how the GI Bill also um, came at the same time as building suburbs. Right and how you know uh, white uh, servicemen were given um, you know mortgages that allowed them to move to the suburbs that began the first form of white flight from cities mm. and it was done on the backs of you know US resources and, and government federal government resources and conversely many black servicemen were not given uh, uh, mortgages mm. and were actually um, dissuaded from getting mortgages and leaving their neighborhoods. Mm. So there's a wealth development that occurs because of that, because when you develop the suburbs with government resources and then people are given mortgages based on government resources, what you actually do is create wealth for people mm. out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because in an abstract sense, this sounds like a very progressive policy. You're gonna use public funds uh, to not just incentivize, but to enable the acquisition of property, in this case, uh, the building of wealth, of equity, but 
but if you take a, a look at it past that level of abstraction, you're seeing that it can have vastly different effects based on how it's implemented. And that's an example of how policy can have negative, positive or negative impacts based on how it's applied. Yeah, yeah. So GARE helps us systematize our thinking. Uh, where is the GARE partnership being implemented within Buckets of City activity? So we've did a, done a train, two trainings with over 100 city uh, employees mm -hmm. um, in every uh, department um, last year. And so this year we're gonna work with four departments very uh, intensively, in an intensive manner to really look at um, policies, procedures, and programs that they're doing inside their, um, their departments and how it's either helping or hindering racial equity and to think about that. And later in the year, we'll do a deeper training with all of our directors and such and add four more departments to that. Okay. Um, let's uh, zoom out uh, briefly uh, as we as we wrap up here. Uh, so we have a new Office of Equity, uh, but this this idea, this concept is relatively new in the national landscape. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the peer cities, our peer class that have uh, that have institutionalized this idea in the form of some kind of Office of Equity? And then I'll ask some questions about uh, some learning that you've had in engagement with your colleagues in yeah. this respect. Yeah, it, it is relatively new for all but a few places, but I will say there's been an, a really big uptick in the last year. Mm -hmm. um, in the last year alone, um, ourselves, City of Pittsburgh, City of San Francisco, and the City of Los Angeles all developed Office of, of Equity in 2019, um, really kind of pointing to um, cities acknowledging that even in places where you have a large uh, non-white population, you still have racial disparities that government needs to be able to look at. Um, so, you know, um, some of the peer cities that, that work closely with uh, Louisville, um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, actually, um, Austin, Texas, um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, Portland, Oregon, uh, Multnomah County, which is the county around Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, you know, and a lot of these places have been thinking about this stuff a little longer than us, um, but they may not have had the infrastructure or the ecosystem that Pittsburgh already has to be able to collaborate. Okay. So many of these possibilities of collaboration are already there, which has given us a leg up of sorts, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a lot of positive learning, a lot of learning on best practices. Governments are really different. So based on where you're at and what you can do based on state statutes mm -hmm. um, and preemptions by either county or state government, it's really different. So mm -hmm. it's really identifying if someone does something somewhere, it doesn't mean you can automatically just bring it in the same way to your city. But mm -hmm. what you can do is think about how it will be applied in your city mm -hmm. or what partnerships you can do to facilitate it. You can't just copy and paste it. No, no. This yeah. is the one thing in the world when it comes to uh, city, uh, county, and state governments that you cannot copy and paste. Fair enough. Um, are these happening outside of uh, mayor's office or in mayor's offices typically in your experience? Um, there's, a range. there's a range. There's a range. I would say we are one of the larger ones that are in mayor's offices. Okay. They often also happen around civil rights divisions and in, in the Commission for Human Relations in other cities. Mm -hmm. And some of them actually happen in, uh, in, hum in human relations mm -hmm. uh, departments. It seems to be a, a, a rather bracing, a rather encouraging uh, notion for the mayor to think of it um, with such a sense of priority that he would put it within his very office. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a testament to it that, um, that it's in the mayor's office and that you know the deputy chief of staff, which I'm honored to serve, is also the chief equity officer. So yeah. it gives you a proximity concept because often uh, something is often as important to you as is distance from you. Hmm. Um, and so when something is really far from you, then it says something. And yeah. something really close to you, 
it also says something. A couple doors away. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Uh, well, I'm grateful to be a couple doors away uh, from you, sir. One last question, uh, and we'll let you get out of here. Um, what does success look like uh, this year uh, for you? Uh, and I'd like that in terms of uh, in terms of the mayor's office and in terms of the Office of Equity. And then I'll, my final question, or the last part of this question will be about uh, just a personal charge uh, that if you were going to encourage, uh, say, other black men and boys, for example, in terms of their own personal development, uh, what you would encourage them to take a look at. Yeah, um, I think success for us is being able to, you know, advance many of the things that the mayor has identified as a priority and to be able to work across partnerships and, and collaborative um, agendas to be able to do that. I mean, the mayor has definitely laid down some markers around economic development, around sustainability, around the role of our parks. Um, so we have that already out there as things that we know that the mayor wants to do. Right. And you know, as we look to advance those in the Office of Equity, it's really to, again, merge the data and the human-centered nature of these things. Mm. So to be rigorous about the data and what we're doing and be able to measure um, change, but at the same time to have people know that government is working on their behalf right? and that how we can work most effectively on their behalf, right? And that's an internal conversation of how we work effectively on their behalf. Um, and then I think the personal charge, if you will, is, is to basically know that the, the sky isn't the limit, that the sky is, is only the beginning. Mm -hmm. The sky is only the floor, if you will, that, you know, the possibilities are there and to accept and acknowledge that even in certain environments where it may not seem that the possibilities are there, that they are there and that there are people working to expand opportunities and possibilities for them as black men and boys in this, in this city, in this county, and in this country. Majestic Lane, uh, Deputy Chief of Staff, Chief Equity Officer, thank you so much for taking the time, thank sir. Thank you. Appreciate Real it. Real pleasure. Uh, that's all we have uh, for now. Please tune in next time and we'll see you then.